Ladies and gentlemen, this is Das Hobby, Germany's number one trading card show. And here are your hosts with the perfect podcast faces, Marcus and Dennis. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest uh, today, the one, the only, the man needs no introduction. It's Marcus, my co-host, <laughs> and another special, special human being who did a lot for the hobby uh, recently, and I think, uh, I hopefully to hear it from him since he was a little, little boy, uh, Ned Turner from all the way from the US. Hello, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Hello, hello. So thank you for taking the time. And um, our first question usually to our guests is, so how, how did you get into the hobby as a, as a collector? Let's keep the business aside. What, what, what got you into this mess? Yeah, um, my dad was a big baseball fan. Uh, so I started with baseball cards. He, he brought me home. He, he uh, often traveled for work. He was in oil and gas industry and Uh, he'd leave and come, you know, for weeks or, you know, sometimes longer and come home. And usually he came home with like a gift or, you know, something from where he was, you know, either the country or wherever. Uh, but one time he came back, yeah, with a Hank Aaron, uh, base, two Hank Aaron baseball cards. And then a Nolan Ryan card, I think was on a separate trip, which was a 1975 tops Hank Aaron, the last card in the set. It was really beat up. He bought it at a card shop somewhere where he had traveled. And so that got that I was maybe, That would have been like second grade, uh, maybe maybe first grade. Um, and I lived a different place every year, actually, growing up. Okay. Uh, and so I, I remember the place I was. So I'm like trying to remember how old I was. Um, but yeah, and then uh, I started collecting. Uh, this is now like 1991, 92. Started collecting Atlanta Braves cards um, and, you know, started getting into Griffey. I couldn't really, you know, afford Griffey as a six-year-old, but um, started getting a bunch of the like 90s you know, basketball cards starting in 96 when Kobe was a rookie and it kind of just evolved from there. Nice. Very, yeah. very good. There was a start uh, and then I, I, there was, was a, if I read right, I just read, first of all, my English is not my perfect, but I try my best in, in this podcast, like always. Um, I, I just read um, in the magazine, uh, I think Forbes, it was that uh, in the pandemic time, there was also a time when you come back to the hobby. Is it, it was a break between there or... Oh, no, I, the only break I really took was probably senior year of high school, which would have been like 2003, 2002, right before LeBron was a rookie. So like 01, 02, it would have been. I got really back into it in 03. Um, and then, you know, it was really only collecting LeBron James from like 03 to 2010 and then got really into Jordan and Kobe and 90s again because I, i had some money at that time where i could buy the things that i couldn't afford when i was you know in the 90s um and i did that for about a 10 year i'm still doing that i guess but during covid what happened is i went home like a lot of people did you know i stopped going into the office and and my wife and i and kids moved in with my parents uh in north carolina and my mom had um all of my childhood cards uh that I hadn't seen in, you know, probably 20 years. And I started going through them all and I picked out, you know, a hundred that I got graded like everyone else did, which is what crushed PSA for that period of time. But, you know, I got, I got rekindled basically with, 
you know, the shitty, pardon my language, you know, junk wax, you know, commons, base cards that are in like, you know, PSA four, five, six condition. But it was really fun. You know, I had sets. I had them all organized by player back then. I had, you know, designs of all these cards that I had made when I was a kid. And it was just cool. But no, I never, I hadn't taken a break since like 2003. Okay. Okay. So Atlanta Braves, was it as a as a kid? So so what is Nat Turner collecting right now? Like what's your what's your PC? Yeah, um, I, I'm right now I'm really still, I'm very much into 90s basketball still. I can't seem to shake uh shake that addiction um vintage baseball uh i'm not like hardcore about it i collect you know three or four sets though like 1975 tops not so surprisingly uh 59 tops and then i collect certain players like hank aaron nolan ryan nicky mantle um i collect a lot of wax so i do a lot of unopened boxes and packs um 90s basketball of course uh 2003 basketball vintage baseball packs mostly can't really find the boxes mm -hmm. um and then i'm actually really into some low-end sets in the 2000s um okay. like 2002 finest gold refractors i mean you can buy commons for three dollars you know um but you know the lebron james is you know fifty thousand dollars or more so you have to kind of you know take bite the bullet on the big cards uh 2008 tops chrome gold refractors again commons are ten dollars or less um, the big stars are obviously expensive, but um, I'm doing a lot of the throwback sets. So I'm doing like 61, uh, the classic 61 set from 98 Flair Tradition. I'm doing the um, 52 style from 05, the gold refractors, which are super cool. Okay. They, you know, the basketball cards, they look like 1952 Topps baseball. Um, yeah, I'm doing stuff like that. I'm, and when I'm now collecting photographs, original, <laughs> original <laughs> photographs. I'm doing some tickets now, mainly okay. Masters related the golf tournament. Um, I think what else? Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, tickets. I've, I've heard that several times now that, that this is really, really a thing now, right? Yeah, it's growing. It's the fastest growing category at PSA, actually. Um, trying to think if that's still true. It was true for the last year. I think it is still true. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's really fun. I mean, I'm not into hardcore tickets yet. I'm mainly collecting for events that I like, like the Masters tournament. Um, mm -hmm. And I've been buying special things like, you know, I collect like Pearl Jam tickets and things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not like into the sports tickets yet um, on the basketball or baseball side. I've, I've, I've tried to bid on and, and unfortunately didn't win some of the like Mickey Mantle debut or Jackie Robinson debut tickets. Um, okay. Those are Jordan. Like those, those are just price wise are very expensive. But um, yeah, it's really, it's exciting. And we get a lot of tickets submitted to PSA. And soccer too, by the way, like for some reason, soccer tickets in particular are, um, I don't know, more popular, it seems so. So the, the big tournaments for soccer or, or also like we have it over here, Bundesliga or Champions League or? It's a lot of like player debut tickets um, mm -hmm. or like major tournaments. Like uh, what's a good example? Like a lot of the World Cup stuff where, mm -hmm. you know, old, old, you know, 70s, 80s um you know, where certain players had big performances or uh, certain teams won, certain countries won. You'll see those tickets. Um, Germany, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting yeah. uh, development. So this connection between an event and something that you hold in your hand, like I think that is really like also for me personally, when I can remember the game or, or the performance yeah. of the athlete on the card, that is the, the special, special thing for me personally. Yeah. Mm. Especially it's also not easy to get in. Uh, also, when I work for a soccer club here in Germany and to get in the stadium, it's not easy, at least in Germany, to because it's always sold out. Uh, and then if you participate in a game when you where there's a first game of a special rookie, I think that's that's a connection where you have also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so the, the company name PSA, uh, I've heard it here or there before. Um, what what got you got you into that? Can you just just give us a short short version of of how you got into the business there? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm a big collector. I have been for a long time, as I said, and I've been really since like 2010 focused on um, actually really in 03, starting with um, with LeBron James cards. But back then it was more uh, BGS, where I was really focused on the the grade of the card. Um, you know, so I collected every LeBron James card in BGS 95 in 2010, I started doing BGS 95s or PSA 10s of every Jordan card that I could find and Kobe actually. And then I started doing certain vintage baseball sets all in PSA 10, um, or nine, depending on the set. And that really started to kind of get me excited about uniformity in my collection, grading, you know, I started submitting things 15 years ago you know, raw cards, four sets, like 75 tops mini, for example. And then a lot of these 90 sets like PMGs and, and the base cards from like metal universe. And so it really became very important uh, to me as a collector. Uh, and I started getting really excited personally uh, about what technology could do to the grading process, but also to the surrounding service. So things like the set registry or, you know, vaulting or marketplace, um, making things just more accurate, more consistent, and then more accessible. And I wasn't, you know, I called the company prior to, you know, making an attempt to buy the company to see if, you know, you know, it could help or, and it's hard to do that if you don't actually work there to be to fair to them. Mm. And got really excited, more excited over time, you know, COVID hit, as I mentioned, I went home, I started playing with part my childhood cards and frankly, kind of realized like, this is what I wanted to do next, uh, as a business, you know, cards for 20 years, you know, I had had business stuff, but I never really thought of trading cards as a business, uh, that I would participate in. Obviously it was a business, but I kind of wanted it to be separate. Um, and I made that decision. It was like, right during COVID, it was the summer of 2020 where I was just like, you know what, like, this is what I'm most excited and passionate about, you know, why not? And, and to me, it was really, it was PSA or nothing. Um, you know, I was, I, I love, you know, that everyone's doing other things in the hobby, but, you know, for me, like that was the company that, you know, meant the most, you know, to me as a collector, uh, other than the card manufacturers, which, you know, wasn't a game I was, you know, able to play, uh, with the licenses. So, yeah. And so, I mean, and I called Joe Orlando and, you know, we figured it out over the, it took a while, <laughs> Yeah, it took like almost a year, but I'm glad it worked out. So. And it is, uh, you said, of course, the most people knowing the, the grading part. Uh, you mm -hmm. said uh, collection management. Uh, I think Vault is quite new in, in the collector's mm -hmm. uh, universe. Is there something else? What's the part of Yeah, the, the set registry. So this it's super important to me. This is basically where people uh, register the cards that they own that are PSA graded and then by certain number, the certificate number, and then you can start sets and compete on sets. And, you know, I, I have probably over a hundred 
sets that I'm actively pursuing that I manage on the set registry on PSACard.com. Um, yeah, so that's that's a big one for us, a very um, popular tool. Um, you know, hundreds of thousands of sets are registered and, you know, people are are filling and looking for things. And, and the biggest uh, thing we get asked for on the set register side is help me find uh, the cards that I need to complete certain sets. And so they want our help matchmaking towards those missing cards. And so that's kind of where our marketplace uh, opportunity lies, which is starting with the set registry and starting with all the data we know about our PSA users. They tell us they need these certain cards or they own these certain cards with like other Michael Jordan cards, for example, you know, we're in a really powerful position to help them. Uh, and so that's kind of where the vault came in. Uh, and now we're, what we're doing with Golden and other partners uh, on the marketplace side to matchmake and allow people to list their cards for sale, um, kind of in like a PSA marketplace, if you will, um, connecting everybody together. So that, that's the vision. It's all about the collector to us. I mean, this isn't, you know, if we'll, we'll, we'll do things, as, you know, as long as the collector wants it, that's all we care about. And um, we're obsessed about collectors. And so, you know, that's that's kind of where our features and priorities lie. Um, and yeah, we've got a lot of stuff coming. Mm. Yeah. I think also from just to, to give you, an, uh, for, uh, maybe you know it already, but in Germany, I think the most people are also prefer cards sending to the PSA. Of course, we have also some lo Europe local ones. When you want to have your cards safe in a, in a slab, then it's a good alternative alternative for some people but if you want to make it as an invest especially or you like the cases then you also you have some submission companies and send it to 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 us um so how how is your connection to to europe and germany do, do you know what's going on over here do you do you, do you know people from over here um well i have i deal with a bunch of collectors uh you know personally you know a lot from believe it or not a lot of the 90s collectors are in europe for basketball mm -hmm. um We, we mentioned before Kiki as an example, um, you know, there's a, a doctor, Dr. Christian, who I work with a lot. I think he's in Austria, perhaps, um, you know, I, we've done 20 deals together. Uh, there's a, a pretty big PMG collector in France that will remain nameless. Um, and, you know, there's, there's quite a few, uh, so more on the personal side, but on the, on the professional side with PSA, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I would say other than Asia, uh, it's the biggest, Uh, market we have to uh, service better. Um, you know, we're we're pretty far along in the United States, admittedly. Like, you know, we've we've probably put more emphasis there, which which just makes sense. But you know, we've got a big office coming in in Tokyo, and then we're also we're actually now operating out of Shanghai in China for PSA. Um, Europe's next, so you know, we have ambitions for the UK. We actually do have. Uh, a number of conversations going in Germany and France. We have an office in France actually for our coin division uh, in Paris. So, you know, honestly, we'd love your help. I mean, if there's, if there's things we can do, I think our preference would be a combination of having a local office that would ship back and forth to the United States in a very kind of white glove kind of way. Mm -hmm. um, and, and have multiple dealers slash group submitters in those countries that can, you know, be closer to the customer because not everybody wants to send directly to PSA. They want, they want to walk in and hand a bag of cards mm -hmm. to a dealer and let them take care of everything else. And so that's, and that's what we do in the U S you know, you can bring cards directly to us and ship them, or you can work with dealers. It works, you know, it's about 50, 50 actually 
volume wise. And so that's our plan. So if, you know, if anyone's listening and wants to be a dealer in, the, in Europe for us or help us open an office and be an employee here, you know, definitely reach out. Okay. Okay. I got your email address. So I'm going to send in my application <laughs> after this interview. Hey, look, I mean, we've got, you know, we're, we're actively, we're looking at office space in London. I mean, we're, we're, we're we've got a lot going on. So oh, get this London thing. They have, Brexit. I know you <laughs> cannot ship in and out. It's horrible. <laughs> We we would do Germany if you know. I mean, maybe offline we can talk about the the right cities and you know, kind of where to do it. So yeah. Um. So so you you spoke about Europe. So but what's what's the is there is there a mission? Is there a goal for you personally? What you want to accomplish with with the company in in the the short future? Let's say like that. Well, look, I think Europe can be 10 to 20 percent of PSA's business as far as submission volume. Right now, it's less than three percent. Mm. Um. So, you know, the cards are there. I mean, German, Germany, France, all these countries, I mean, definitely with soccer cards, but tons of basketball card collectors and so on, TCG, Pokemon. So, you know, we see it on the, on the, you know, trickling in and we see the overwhelming number of messages we get from people wanting to submit. Uh, they just don't like shipping across, you know, the Atlantic Ocean or there aren't dealers in their markets. So like I said, I mean, I don't know if it's short term, maybe it's more midterm, long term, but, you know, 10 plus percent, maybe even up to 20 percent of our volume ultimately probably can and should come from Europe, European collectors. Uh, I'd say the same about Asia. You know, right now it's probably closer to six percent, five or six percent is coming from Japan and uh, China, which is just really small. I mean, you look there, it's more basketball, baseball collectors and the TCG. But um You know, we're underserved. We're underserving those customers for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's our plan. And frankly, content too. You know, we have our magazine, but we need to do better a better job of you know having that available in different languages and um, both digitally and physically. Yeah, yeah, that is. I mean, with with countries like France and Germany, that's always a challenge because we have our own language pretty much, and and the country is proud of that language. So I, I was in the music business for many years. And it's always a little hard to describe to the U.S. people that, hey, we have rap stars over here. They are much bigger than Jay-Z over here. They are selling <laughs> more records. They are selling more tickets. And like, of course, outside of Germany, no, nobody bothers. But in this country, they are really, really relevant. And I think that's that's the same with content. There's a lot yeah. of local content. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. look, honestly, our plan would be to find someone to be like head of PSA Germany or PSA France. Um, who can be like a general manager for that country for us. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, you know, we have our eyes and ears open for that. So after this podcast, their applications will <laughs> send it out. Yeah, uh, that's fine. That's <laughs> one reason I'm here. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I saw on your website too, like that you have jobs, jobs to give out a lot of jobs. Yeah. yeah. You're hiring. Sure. Yeah. Very, very, yeah. We have a lot of open spots. That's to to look a bit in the future, we, we are a bit, hopefully, a bit after the pandemic. Uh, in the pandemic, there was this hype about in the hobby, I would say. Um, now yeah. it's go a bit down uh, for, from, from my perspective, at least. Um, what do you think when we sit in, I don't know, three, four years again in the podcast, wh where the hobby will be? So where will be the development? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's a, a healthy thing. Um, I think things got unhealthy there for a while, you know, with speculation and You, know, you just look at the prices of some of these, you know, rookie quarterbacks compared to the Hall of Famers and, 
you know, and then the number of rookie cards that you see that each of these guys have, it just, th- things are uh, definitely, they got overheated. And I think the same could be said for the public equity markets and crypto and NFTs and everything, right? So I think it's a healthy thing, you know, it brings, it restores a bit of rationale, um, you know, to uh, to the market, um, pragmatism. So, you know, three years from now, I mean, look, I hope, uh, you know, we're going to see fanatics make a lot of moves on the manufacturing side. I hope, I, I believe they will do the right thing and, you know, grow that in a healthy way, as opposed to in a kind of overproduced, you know, cheapened way, which I think, I feel like happened during covid Mm. um you know and i would love to see that be corrected i think the same can be said for the grading companies including us you know we need to have pricing be at a certain level and turnaround times be at a certain level that you know meet the customer's expectations but also frankly protect against you know that what some say is like the junk slab era of you know everyone grading every card which i don't think is the right thing either Mm. um you know, it should be focused on true collectors who want to complete sets and for cars that deserve where condition matters to be graded. Um, and so, I don't know, three years from now, that's kind of what I'm hoping. I think also too, just growing the hobby base. I mean, I think a lot of people got into the hobby over COVID and maybe not all of them are going to stick around because for them, it was a more speculative, temporary, like distraction perhaps. Um, but I think a lot will stick around and I think it's on us as an industry for the next three years to keep them engaged, but then also bring in the next generation, which is always on the hobby to do. But I think it's particularly important right now with, you know, people seeing card prices, you know, be lower than they were, which again, I think like the card prices never should have been as high as they were. It's easy to say that in hindsight, but, um, you know, it's obviously true. So, Mm. you know it's on us to kind of bring that next generation in, in this, in this kind of, you know, downturn, if you will. I, I, I really have to say, and I, I watched and listened to some other of your interviews. It's such refreshing to, to listen to you because it's just feels like real and authentic and that it's really like close to your heart that these things happen. You, yeah, of course you're a businessman. I, I get that, but, but it really feels that the right person is in the right position yeah. over there. So, um, I appreciate that. Off. As, <laughs> yeah. as we in Germany say, hoot up. It's like heads off. <laughs> so, so really, I, I have to say that it's, it's, uh, I think that it's very, very important that in the key positions, we have the, the right people. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm surprised by my, by the love that I'm spreading. <laughs> Me too. Here. I'm, what, I'm speechless. What, what, what is happening? <laughs> I wish everyone, I, honestly, I wish, I wish there were more, uh, more true collectors in, in the hobby too. And then in the business side, you know, I think a lot of, um, yeah, we're trying, I mean, we, we, we hire as many of them as we can, but, um, yeah, that's my hope for fanatics. Like if they can, um, you know, embrace, go back to the true collector side. Cause you know, the, another thing that's happened in the last few years is breaking, which I think is a good thing. It's just become frankly, very gambling esque, like, like FanDuel, DraftKings and, yep. um, you know, people forget the only reason you're willing to buy a box for a certain amount of money is that the cards you pull are worth a certain amount of money. So the secondary value of those cards needs to be, you know, high enough to support the expected value of what you're willing to pay for a box or, or a pack and a break. And, and so if it's all about gambling and, you know, the cards need to be ever more valuable on the, on downstream and, 
you know, the only way you do that is if there's more collectors who want those cards. And so, you know, embracing the collector is what the manufacturers need to really return to their roots of. Um, like I said, it got, it got very speculative there for a few years and same for grading. I mean, like I said, we, we're, we're still paying the price for that, you know, with the number of cards we came and got, got, came in and got in our backlog. So we have a lot of work to do ourselves. Great. Yeah, I have also a good, especially in, in, in Germany, the, the people have also this uh, part of, of course, uh, how I can get the boxes or the cards because in Germany and mm -hmm. Europe, it's not easy to get the boxes also. Right, so, right. Yeah. yeah, the whole structure like with Panini America and Panini, over, I mean, it is a European company, but the access to NBA cards. No, I know. Like, it's, it's horrible. Severe, yeah. Which actually breaking, it's a good, that's a good, that's a good use case for it. I mean, it makes it more accessible. Yeah. You know, you can buy a break on whatnot and spot in a break, and then it doesn't matter what country you're in, I, I, I would think. But, you know, Wonderful. it's not the same, though, as having it in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> That is true. That is true. So yeah. thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for this for this talk. Yeah, and, of course. Yeah. Very, very thankful. Thank you very much. And um, keep, keep, keep on doing what you're doing. It's, I think it's really, really important and it feels right. And um, people... Like PSA over here, kind of. <laughs> no, good. Yeah, really. We're, we hope we hope to be there, bigger and better. Hopefully, in the future. So, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Thank okay. you so much. Have a great yeah. over there. Yeah. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Marcus. Appreciate it. Talk Thank you. you. Bye, bye bye. Bye.